Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, what's up? I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. Julia, how are you doing today? I am great. I'm doing so good. That's great. I'm really glad to hear it. Are you yeah. super, super jazzed about our book today? You have no idea how jazzed I am to talk about this book. I think you were going to do it for our first episode of season two, but then we decided instead to do it now. And I had just read, like I'd never read it before. And so now I'm really glad that it's in my life. I am also so glad it's in your life. This book is all over the place. And I'm sure I know I get this way. The more you see something, the more you think to yourself, is it really that good? But you guys, we promise you it really, really is. But before we get into our book of the day, uh, let's just chat a little bit about this fun little thing called our Patreon. What? What? Patreon. uh, If you're looking for more bookish content from us, you can subscribe to our Patreon. We post content each week, including mini-sodes, Q&A sessions, book unboxings, and much, much more. This summer, we're even going to be doing a book club. The book club is available for all of our novel friends. But if you want our exclusive Novel Finds Book Club tote bag, you do have to be a Patreon member. And the big news of the day, this already came out, but in case you missed it, this summer we will be reading Hotel Magnifique by Emily Taylor. So buy it. Check it out. We're going to have a chat at the end of summer. Nice. That's super exciting. Um, And if you find that you really love our book club, join our Patreon. And if you're in certain tiers, you even get fun and exclusive Novel Finds merch. With four different tiers to choose from, there are many options for more content from us, the Novel Finds ladies. For more information about our Patreon, follow the link in our bio. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Maggie, do you know what I love more than books? What? Uh, free books. Oh, I thought you were going to say the classic film, The Proposal, starring Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God, that's my favorite Ryan (laughs) Com ever. (laughs) But if you sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible Premium using the link audibletrial.com slash novelfinds, you get a free audiobook. Wait, I sign up at audibletrial.com slash novelfinds and just automatically get a free book you've got it you get a credit for whatever audiobook you want the world is your oyster wow this feels like when bell saw the beast library for the first time it is exactly like when bell sees the beast library for yeah, the first I just, time. i just heard that <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, so <laughs> Sign up for a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash novel finds for your free audiobook today. Woo! Yeah! Well, um, I know you guys are just on pins and needles wondering what book that we are talking about today, as if I didn't put it in the episode description, but hey, 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 it's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Burp, 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 Nice. Sound this sounded kind of blues cluesy. Yeah, Why are we doing sound effects all of a sudden? I don't know, but you know, we're here now. Yeah. Um. So today we're chatting all about The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It's by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's a New York Times bestseller, and we're ready to just get started. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Me too. Me I read too. this book in two days. I was like, ugh, ugh. And it's only two days because I had other stuff I had to do. I would have read it in one if I could have. I believe you. I totally believe you. I have read this book twice, and both times I've read it, I have just devoured it. It's impossible to put down. It really is. I saw somewhere recently that this is a really good book for people that get distracted easily or have ADHD. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's because it has it flips between different things like you see newspaper articles in it and then you also have like the story and then you also have like the present day story and so I think that is probably pretty accurate it was very cool that's true and um very short chapters which is yeah 
That tricks you. That always tricks you. It's like, I can just do one more chapter. It's not very long. Yep. And then you read the whole book and you're up at 3 a.m. Yes. <laughs> well, are you ready for a little bit of a summary? I am 100% ready for a little bit of a summary. Amazing. Here we go. I say a little bit. It's a little bit of a long summary. So bear <laughs> with me, you guys. <laughs> Monique Grant is a struggling junior reporter at Vivant Magazine when iconic star Evelyn Hugo requests her to conduct her first interview in decades. Monique arrives only to learn that Evelyn has something else in mind, a tell-all in which she will speak on her seven high-profile marriages. Realizing that this is a career-defining opportunity, Monique accepts her roles as biographer, despite her suspicions about Evelyn's motivations. Evelyn describes her humble beginnings in Hell's Kitchen, her desperation to escape a life of poverty and abuse, and her willingness to use her sexuality to do so. At only 14, Evelyn marries a man who will take her to Hollywood, only to divorce him when she is discovered by Harry Cameron. She must dye her hair blonde, lose her Spanish accent, and change her name to succeed. Evelyn rises to fame with the support of Harry, and the world becomes enamored by her beauty. She soon marries Don Adler, the most popular actor in Hollywood. Monique's life is a stark contrast to Evelyn's, having recently separated from her husband, David. She is struggling professionally and personally. Her editor and boss, Frankie, doubts her ability to pull off a successful story, and Monique fears that Frankie is right. However, Monique becomes more confident as she works with Evelyn, eventually demanding a promotion from her boss. As Evelyn continues her tale, Monique uses it as a welcome distraction from David, who is desperately trying to reach her. Back to Evelyn. Don abuses Evelyn soon after they are wed. While filming Little Women, Evelyn befriends rising star Celia St. James. During the premiere of their movie, Evelyn learns that Celia is a lesbian and acknowledges her feelings for her. That night, Evelyn leaves Dawn for Celia. Evelyn overcomes Dawn's attempts to ruin her career, but if she wants to remain in Hollywood, she must conceal her relationship with Celia. Evelyn and Celia are happy together, but Celia grows to resent Evelyn's unwillingness to embrace her publicly. Through a series of very difficult marriages, Evelyn attempts to hide the relationship and her bisexuality. Will Evelyn and Celia end up together and live a life happily ever after? And what is Evelyn hiding from Monique in this beautiful, intricate study of human nature that explores fame, women in Hollywood, and the difficulty of reconciling with one's true identity? That was lovely. Thank you. Did you write that yourself? I picked it apart from three different summaries I found online. But hey, <laughs> Frankenstein summary is still good. Thank you, babe. So I have three fun facts for you. Are you ready for them? You know it. You uh, know it. Of course. You're always ready for them. I appreciate that about you. Evelyn Hugo, the character, is based on three different oldies actresses. The first one being Elizabeth Taylor, who was famously married eight times to seven different people. So one of them must have worked out. Um, Ava Gardner, and then also Rita Hayworth. Ooh, fun fact. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first one. The second one is, while this is a New York Times bestseller, this book was also nominated for the Goodreads Choice Award for Best Historical Fiction of 2017. Hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And finally, the most fun of the fun facts. I went on... Um, taylor's instagram for this she has a french bulldog named goldie oh and it's adorable that. it is the cutest little dog i'm not really a dog person but little dogs really really get me oh i love a little french bulldog they are mm -hmm. so cute their little perky ears are just so cute and, and they have the faces. funniest faces. They do. Their right. faces are so funny. I They've love got them. big eyes and look like they're concerned for you every time they look at you. They really do. They right. Really they do. look like just the most caring and worried animals. Oh, I love them. Well, Julia, should we step into the questions for today? I think we should. Let's do it. Well, let's start off with... Uh, Pretty easy question. Julia, yeah. why did we choose this book? We chose this book because it is dang Pride Month and we need some bisexual uh, representation in this Pride Month. 
Always. We always need bisexual representation everywhere all the time. Obviously, I, I agree. feel very strongly about that. Yeah, I th- I think it's rare to find uh, especially a book with a bisexual character. Yeah, I can- and she like is so strong about it. Mm-hmm. And it's such a good story because she's realizing that she's bisexual and she's getting confusion on both sides. Like people really don't understand Mm-hmm. what it means and what that means for her. And, uh, it's so good. It's so, so good. good. It's so good. Uh, just love it. So yes, we picked it because this is an LGBTQ book and it is Pride Month. And Pride Month is a celebration of everyone that falls under the umbrella of LGBTQIA+. Yes. Happy Pride Month, babies. Happy Pride, guys. Hope it was great. <laughs> Um, what genre would you say Evelyn Hugo is? Well, according to Goodreads, it is historical fiction. So yes, I would have to agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on the book as well, it is historical fiction. It was written in a way that I was almost convinced that Evelyn Hugo was a real person. Like I, I didn't know if she was or was not, and I didn't look it up, but it was just like, it was so well-crafted that I was like, this has to have happened. Yes. Taylor Jenkins Reid is a tricky little minx because (laughs) this happens in her books. The first book I read of hers, Daisy Jones and the Six, I've talked about this with you, but I I don't know if I've said this specifically. Mm -hmm. The book was so convincing and the book was written as interviews. I genuinely, at the end of the book, thought the band was real, and I tried to look them up like an idiot. <laughs> I, I was like, "Oh my gosh, they sound so cool." They don't. <laughs> they're not real. They they don't exist. But they should. But they should. And then her other book, um, Malibu Rising, which I've read, features a character from Evelyn Hugo. I know. Is it a spoiler to say which character? It is one of Evelyn's husbands, Mick <gasps> Rivera. I know. That's cool. I know. He plays the dad. In what? <laughs> I was like, I know. Well, that was loud. <laughs> it's exciting. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't really a big fan of Mick, of her husband's. Like, you're, I not, didn't... you're not a fan of him in Malibu Rising either. He's totally the worst. Cool. Yeah. Consistency is key. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Maggie, what is your favorite thing about this book? Uh, I, I have to say one of the things that I love most about this book is that it, I feel like it takes me by surprise and Mm -hmm. I love a story that is in the present tense and the past tense. And I loved seeing how their story intertwined with one another, Monique and Evelyn's. Mm -hmm. And I think my favorite thing is really the positive bisexual experience and every single female character is so strong in a very different way Mm -hmm. and they're all so complicated i just feel like um i just feel like taylor just writes really really interesting characters and i just liked being on the ride with them yeah yeah that's very cool what about you um i would say my favorite part is the the switching between different medias like you know that you're going to hit the next part of the book when there's a bunch of newspaper articles that Mm -hmm. show up at the end of it and so I was always very interested in the different articles and then sometimes it would go straight into the next husband sometimes it would go into the present with Monique and Evelyn and I just I liked how everything changed up because it really did keep me focused in the book where I was like, what's happening next? Um, So I thought that was really cool. I think that was maybe my favorite part about the book itself. Like the writing really captures you. I think it's um, because this author does that a lot where every single one of her books is written in a very different and interesting way. Cause like from what I've read, and these are the only Mm -hmm. three that I've read, but Daisy Jones is all interview and Malibu Rising flips between five or six different perspectives. And then in this one, you have the different mediums and the different perspectives. So all of her books are just so, they're just so easy to read. Very digestible. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. Do you have a favorite line or section you want to share? Yes, always. Yes. Um, so you know, know me. 
I love the cheesy romancy parts. So, Always. um, <laughs> uh, for real though. <laughs> um, so I have two, two different happy sections I'm going to share with the crowd. Okay. Okay. So, um, this first one, um, Evelyn is watching the Oscars from her couch and, um, she, is not going. She's just recently split up with Don and she's with Celia. Um, but Celia is at the Oscars. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And the award goes to Celia St. James for Little Women. I jumped out of my seat and shouted for her. And then my eyes got teary as she walked up to the stage. She talks about how beautiful she is. Celia is so beautiful. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And to Evelyn Hugo, thank you. Celia is thanking her in her speech. When she said my name, I swelled with pride and joy and love. I was so goddamn happy for her. And then I did something mortifyingly inane. I kissed the television set. I kissed her right on her grayscale face. The clink I heard registered before the pain. And as Celia waved to the crowd and then stepped away from the podium, I realized I'd chipped my tooth. And I just... I loved that part so much because Evelyn, so much of her character is about presenting herself as Mm -hmm. this like really put together and beautiful woman. And she is so overwhelmed with her feelings for Celia that she kissed her television and chipped her tooth. Mm -hmm. Have you ever chipped your tooth before? No, but ironically enough, I had a dream last night that I lost two of my teeth and (gasps) it haunted me this morning. That's terrifying. I've chipped my tooth before, and it is actually even the smallest amount is incredibly painful. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Now that's a new fear. Well, you're not – brush your teeth, and you're not going to lose them. I know, but you could (laughs) chip them at any time. You could just fall over and chip your tooth. Yeah. I mean, I was doing something stupid with my teeth, and so it made sense that I chipped it. Okay. Well, that's on you then, Julia. (laughs) Um, Okay. So another happy little scene that I loved – Celia and Evelyn are um, together, and both of them are in marriages. Uh, Celia is married to Harry. Or sorry, Celia is married to John, and Evelyn is married to Harry. Mm -hmm. But Celia and Evelyn are together, and Harry and John are together. I love that. I loved it. And the four of them just, like, live together and hang out and have the happiest time. And Mm -hmm. um, they have Evelyn and Harry have their child, Connor, and they're celebrating Harry's birthday. And it was like the la- one of the last really, really happy moments. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're having a picnic in the park. So if you got the wigs and Celia made the sangria, what did Evelyn do? Harry asked as he took Connor off his back and put her on the blanket. I grabbed her and helped her sit up. Good question, John said, smiling. You'd have to ask her. Oh, I helped, I said. Actually, yeah, Evelyn, what did you do? Celia said. I looked up to see the three of them all staring at me teasingly. I... I gestured vaguely at the picnic basket. You know. No, Harry said, laughing. I don't know. Listen, I've been busy, I said. "Uh Uh-huh, Celia said. Oh, all right. I lifted Connor up. I didn't do a damn thing. The three of them started laughing at me, and then Connor started laughing too. John opened the basket. Celia poured wine. Harry leaned over and kissed Connor's forehead. It was one of the last times we were all together. Laughing, smiling, happy, a family. Oh, I just... I lo- I loved it. I loved it. I literally read that section just a few times because it was so mm-hmm. joyful. It was like the definition of peace. Yeah, was- and and they're wearing the wigs and no one's bothering them because they don't look like their regular movie star selves. Yes. I loved it. It's so cute. Julia, do you have any fun sections to share with the crowd? I do. I have also two sections and w- my first one that I'm sharing uh is actually in the same area of your first one, <laughs> which is so funny to me. Like, I, it doesn't happen often, I feel like, that we highlight in similar places or the exact same places. Way less than you think it would. Right, because we are t- we have two, like, very different ideas of, of what we love in the books. But this one's just so good. Okay, so this is... Also, when Evelyn is on the couch watching the Oscars, and it's a bit more serious. She's just kind Mm -hmm. of reflecting on um, the award ceremony in general. And she has the thought, um, it all seems much more glamorous on screen. I hate to break it to you, but in person, 
The theater is smaller, the people are paler, and the stage is less imposing. It's all curated to make the audience at home feel like outsiders, to make you feel like a fly on the wall of a club you aren't good enough to get into. And I was surprised by how effective it was on me, how easy it was to fall for, even for a person who had just recently been at the very center of it. And so that I think that Taylor does a really good job at showing how the media presents things that aren't always true and usually aren't true just mm-hmm. to the audience. I thought that was a really interesting undercurrent of of the book in general. Yeah, especially with the newspaper articles, because like you just read this whole part about the husbands and what's actually happening. And then you see the articles and the articles get none of it right. Mm-hmm. And, and and I just thought yeah. that was so cool. Because so much of Evelyn and Celia's lives are about what they want, but also about how they want to present themselves mm-hmm. like to Hollywood. And it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like a huge subplot is it is. how it Hollywood is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And it just, it kind of made me reflect on tabloids and just how everything in this world is kind of presented to us. Like there's always an angle and that angle is not always obvious to the people that are reading it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And this one is really funny. (laughs) And this is, I don't, I think this is before um, Evelyn and Harry decide to have a baby or before Mm -hmm. they have the baby, they have decided and they're discussing it. Um, But Evelyn and Celia are hanging out in bed together and they're just talking. And and, um, Evelyn says this to Celia. It says, I love you so much that when I sometimes get a look at all the crazy fan mail you get, I think, well, sure, that makes sense. I want to collect her eyelashes too. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it makes sense. Like they love each other so much. I love that part. I I genuinely laughed out loud. <laughs> I did too. This is honestly like I have six or seven different places highlighted. And this book was so easy to find different things to highlight. Like I didn't even try to find anything. My first highlight, I didn't even have my highlighter even near me. And I paused and was like, I want to save this. And and then like throughout the whole book that kind of happened. Um yeah, well, I feel like I have marked funny moments, heartfelt moments, but then yeah. also those really really inquisitive moments yeah. that the author has, like yeah. really really um taking a look at society mm-hmm. and what it actually looks like. It's I, so good. Yeah. After this we should compare our highlights and see how many of them are like the same because I would love to. Uh, the two that we both shared are in similar spots. And I oh, feel crazy. like, <laughs> I know, I feel like we probably have a couple of the same ones. <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, Julia, who was your favorite husband and which one surprised you the most? So I think my, my very favorite husband would have to, it has to be Harry. It has Absolutely. to be Harry. His, that's like the happiest point in Evelyn's life is when she is with Harry. It's also her longest marriage that she holds um, because like she and Celia still get to be together and Harry and Celia's husband get to be together. And so it's just one of those like things finally start making sense for the four of them or for the Mm -hmm. two of them. So it has to be Harry. But I also actually really liked Rex. Rex I was going to say that too. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You tell me your your reason. Oh, I mean, Harry's my favorite. But Obviously. Rex surprised me. Mm-hmm. He, he genuinely took me by surprise both times I've read it. There's just something really interesting about him. I think the thing I like most is that he respects Evelyn. I like it's a marriage of convenience and he's yeah. the husband right before Harry. Yes. And I just I don't yeah, Rex respects Evelyn. Like they got married for the publicity <laughs> to mm-hmm. make their movie sell. 
And right. then and they she stayed together him, for a couple of years. Like she doesn't want to sleep with him mm-hmm. and he can do whatever he wants. She mm-hmm. just wants the marriage and they get along. They, they have conversations. They go to events together. They have a good time. Like mm-hmm. they seemed compatible. They seemed like good friends. And I just, they did. Yeah. I enjoyed that. But Harry is the best. I also really liked with Rex when he did try kind of seducing her a little bit. He was like, maybe this will happen tonight. Um, and she almost fell for it. And then she was like, nah. And he was like, okay. And left. Like, yes, that that's probably the biggest reason I loved Rex. I was just like, yes, it's just so respectful and their friends and colleagues and co-workers and just all of these things wrapped into one and then when like they decide to get divorced it's not any sort of negative impact on either of them they're both fine with it they both figure out how to how to swing it and yeah it's just it's nice and they get divorced because doesn't he fall in love yeah he falls in love with one of the people she did little women with so really cute. Yeah. And she's like, well, of course we can get divorced. Like, I'll just have to figure out how we're going to get divorced um, and all of this stuff. And then Harry walks in and she's like, I've just figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I I cannot get enough of her marriage to Harry. And it hurt because wasn't he, he's the fourth or the fifth husband? Um, I want to say he's the fifth husband so you know more are coming and it hurts because you just want her to be married to harry for forever Mm, mm -hmm. yeah i had to think about that for a hot second i was like is he the fifth husband yes because mick happens after harry oh yes and and then that is like there and gone again yeah wait no it's not mick it's the french guy max max yeah yeah mick happened in vegas that still was there and gone in a second but then so is max and that one was really sad like i saw it happening did you see that happening oh yeah like i i knew after so many of her explanations of why people were with her or why people wanted to hang out with her that this one was going to be the exact same and that just made me sad for her That one I felt betrayed by. Like I saw it coming, but I didn't want it to happen because a lot of what happens in the book is Evelyn talks about how fake people are and they used her beauty and her talent against her sometimes. Like until Mm -hmm. Celia, she didn't have any real friends Mm -hmm. and she didn't have any real relationships. So and that's what it was like again with Max and And that was especially hard because Evelyn was kind of alone again. Like she was in that same spot. She had lost Harry and Celia. And then she thought that she had Max and not really. Yeah. He just loved the idea of her. He didn't actually love her, which is a terrible place to be. Yeah. So sad. But then her seventh husband is all right. Yeah. Who is another marriage of convenience though. Yeah. It's Robert. It's Celia's older brother. Oh, Yeah. That's right. I liked that one too. And that's kind yeah. of where they all ended up together. Right. They were, where did they, they ended up in Spain? Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. That was nice. All right. Maggie. Yes. You and I have different spice meters. Our spice meter is like complete. I don't want to say complete garbage, but our spice meter is all over the place. Where does this book land in our spice meter? That's an interesting question. That's a very interesting question. I feel like I feel like what's interesting about this book is that it tells you what's going on, but it's not written like a romance novel. It's not mm-hmm. written in a spicy way. No. So I would maybe give it like like three spicy peppers. Yeah? Yeah. Because it's definitely like there's like romance and like sexy times. But there nothing is like graphically stated. Like I don't even think we have any actual sex scenes in no it. definitely not That's like why I they only have it three yeah they have sex in it but there's nothing that is like stated or anything i think i would give it like one or two slices of pepperoncini oh my god out of 10 yeah <laughs> maybe three if it's out of 10 i was thinking it was out of five but oh no. then you said out of 10 
I was putting it out of 10, which is oh, why okay. I gave it three. Well, that's <laughs> that's why I said our spice meter is all over the place. <laughs> we don't really have a set spice meter. <laughs> we just kind of make it up. <laughs> oh, but that's my favorite part of the spice meter. Uh, <laughs> just a drizzle of sriracha. <laughs> just like a little pump of Tabasco. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Well, Julia, if you could have any of them, what outfit would you want from this book? Thank you so much for asking because I don't think of clothes the way that you do. And I read this book and was like, this question needs to be here because Maggie wants all of these outfits. Um, So I'm more looking forward to your answer. But I really, really liked um, Evelyn's dress that she wore when she was nominated for Best Actress for um carolina sunset which i'll explain it to you it was a black beaded dress and had two slits on either side of the skirt that went up to her mid thigh i was like that sounds sexy i want that nice the beaded black dress um so yeah that was that's mine um but tell me about yours and tell me why okay and where would you wear it wow lots of questions yes You know, I love the outfits in a historical fiction piece. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, I wish I could wear them. Wish I was alive during this time so I could wear really fun, fancy dresses, but Mm -hmm. I cannot. Um, But the dress that I picked is sort of the classic one. It's kind of what the cover mimics. Mm -hmm. Um, And Evelyn was put in a lot of green. It was her signature color. And this is what she wore for the Little Women premiere. I was in emerald green again. It was a look that was starting to become my signature. This time it was off the shoulder and made of something, some fabric. I can't pronounce it's French. Uh, With a cinched waist, full skirt, and beading on the neckline. My hair was down in a brushed under bob. I just, I wish I lived in that era. It sounds so pretty. I wish I could just walk around in those things. Yes. But it just sounded really gorgeous, and green is also my color. <laughs> so wish I could wear it. Where would I wear it to? Yeah, Holly G's. I guess, I guess I would just save it for a really nice event, or one day if I become a famous screenwriter and I get invited to the Oscars, oh, I'll wear it there. Okay, so that would be your red carpet outfit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just wear it to the grocery store. Unfortunately, I would get too much secondhand embarrassment from myself. Seeing my reflection <laughs> in the eyes of other people would bring me embarrassment. Oh, no. You got to wear it confidently, ma'am. I mean, I'm all for wearing whatever you want to wear. But I think wearing something that fancy to my local Tesco <laughs> might be <laughs> an interesting move. Might be a bit much. Yeah, I mean, I want to save it for a nice event. Plus, should wear it like through a cemetery. Feel done. the hauntedness. Actually, that would be amazing. I would do that. It's just the grocery if store lighting's bad. Why would I want to ruin yeah, a good moment? True. You got to do it when it's like a super foggy day and mm. you can like pretend like you're a ghost. Make sure you're far enough away from people to for them to not know if you're a real person or if you're a ghost. Yes. All right. We've got it. <laughs> done. Perfect. Well, Julia, if you could meet and interview a celebrity at the end of their life, who would it be and what would you want to ask them? So I don't, I think I'd want to interview Katherine Hepburn. Like I I really love her. I love just the, the energy that she brings to the screen. I -hmm. think she, she always has like a mischievous look in her eyes. She does. And I read somewhere once that she was one of the first, if not the first, she was one of the first ladies to wear pants. Oh, like, yes. Both in in the office and also on screen. And I just would love to talk to her about that and just what went through her mind when she woke up one day and was like, I'm wearing some damn pants to work today and no one can stop me. Um, that's the type of energy that I strive to have. And I just love her. I think she's great. I'd watch any movie that she's in. That is amazing. 
Amazing. I, yeah. That is a really good choice. Katherine Hepburn is one of my favorite actors of all time. I know. She's just so cool. Yeah. Who would you interview? What celebrity would you want to talk to? I answered this question twofold because okay. I picked an actor who has passed in like a theoretical universe if I could chat with them. Mm-hmm. And also I picked with one who is still alive and not very old, but I figured <laughs> okay. I'm curious about their life. You know, so the actor who has died is Ingrid Bergman. First of all, she's in one of my favorite movies, Casablanca. And I know it's a very popular movie, but that movie just, it does something. It does something for me. I love Uh it so much. And I love her acting style. She's never overdone, which at kind of that stage of film, there was a lot of overacting and she's Mm -hmm. just always very, very natural and has such an honest approach. And I just would love to chat with her. I would just love to hear about her life because I feel like I know very little about her as a person and her career. Yeah. But present day, and I, I'm i kind of on, you guys, I know you you don't hang out with me every day, but I'm on a really intense <laughs> Laura Dern kick. I'm becoming All right. crazy about her. I'm crazy about her. I would love to sit Laura Dern down and just talk to her. Did you know that she was 23 when she was in the first Jurassic Park? I did not know that. No this, offense to her, but she looked older than 23. Okay, this is what I said. Not She didn't look old. She just no. looked like she's 30. She looks yeah, She just looked like a full adult. Yeah. And now I just feel like there's a world of Laura Dern I don't even know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I love her, and I just want to sit her down and have a chat. So what's your favorite Laura Dern movie? Wow. Mine might be Little Women. Yeah, she's incredible in Little Women. I can't really sit through Marriage Story, but she's incredible in that. I love her in Big Little Lies. Her character is mm-hmm. horrible, but in the best way. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Laura Dern, I feel like, is one of those people who truly transforms into the character. Like, mm-hmm. you can see that it's Laura Dern, but everything about her is so different from character to character. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough fangirling about Laura. No, that's fine. So I sh- assume you're pumped for the next and last of the Jurassic Park installments. I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I am a 27-year-old still obsessed with dinosaurs. And also, I I love Laura Dern. I love her. And she's back in action. So really excited to see it. Although, you guys, I don't understand. Dinosaurs can exist in winter now. Someone explain this to me. (laughs) Right. Why aren't they hibernating like bears? Um, I'm sorry. Aren't they (laughs) cold-blooded? How is this possible? Moving forward, Julia, yes. if you could be a character from this book, um, who would you want to be and why? I don't know. I I don't know. I kind of just want to be like an omniscient presence throughout the book, watching everything. That's fair. I'd, yeah. Like there's so many different characters. There's so many different people to choose from that it makes it hard. Like I really loved... Celia I really loved Evelyn but like there are parts of both of them that I wouldn't want to be like Celia Celia it has a hard time coming to grips with Evelyn's bisexuality because Celia does not like men and so she kind of she kind of has a hard time with like connecting with Evelyn when Evelyn does admit that she did have feelings with some of her husbands but she also has feelings for celia and all that and so it's kind of like do you remember that moment in um bohemian rhapsody when freddie's wife just tells him that he's gay like he's he's telling her that he is bisexual and she's like no freddie you're just gay um i have actually not seen that movie i'm so are you sorry. kidding me oh margaret i know i'm sorry we need to finish recording so you can watch this movie. Okay. It is so good. It's a okay. freaking good movie. <laughs> okay. Slightly derailed. Anyway, um, the the erasure that happens for bisexual people is very strong. And so eventually Celia does get to the point where she does, you know, realize that she can't erase one part of, of Evelyn because Evelyn is going to always have that part of her. Um, 
and I appreciate the character growth, but I did not like the journey in getting there. It was just kind of hard because, and there's a comment about it too in the book, where Evelyn says that if you hurt Celia, she hurt you back. Yeah. There's a part of Celia um, that's just very jealous and hateful, which a part of me, I understand her emotion because she's hurt and she's struggling to understand it. Mm -hmm. But Evelyn is like, she's asking and Evelyn is telling her the truth and reading those parts can be so uncomfortable Yeah, and, and hard. It is hard, but I mean, that's what what people do when they don't know how to handle their emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I would would want to be a character from the book. I just, all of them, it's a very complex book. All of them have very complex feelings and not saying that I don't want to have complex feelings. I just don't want to be any characters in this book. No, that's completely fair. I mean, Taylor Jenkins Reid writes really complicated Mm -hmm. characters and Mm -hmm. every character goes through something really, really heavy. And if I had to pick someone, I would probably want to be Evelyn, but she's also a little bit too, and her character totally develops, but she starts out like a little bit too vain and a little bit too ballsy for me, but her character change. I mean, she has that great monologue where she's turned 50 and she's like, I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of caring about what people think of me and how I look and how I'm perceived. I just want to live my life far away from Mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah. So she definitely grows and changes. But if I had to pick a character face value, I would probably pick the daughter, Connor. Mm, Okay. Um, Yeah, we don't really get a ton of of Connor. This book, it does such a really good job at at ch- the time changing because mm-hmm. we start it when Evelyn is 14 and end it when she is 79. And this book covers all of the time in between. Like it doesn't leave anything out. Um, and it's not like a particularly long book. So it's just, no. it's crazy. And it feels fully fleshed out. It doesn't yes. feel like they're rushing into anything or parts are being raced through. Everything is so well-developed. She did not waste any space writing this book. None whatsoever. Uh, All right, Maggie, is Mm -hmm. this book a movie or a show? And if not, should it be? I actually think that it's going to be a show, but now I actually don't know. I actually know the answer to this, but I was wondering if you did. Tell me. (laughs) Um, So I don't know when this information came out it was going to be a show but um and freeform had it but then netflix bought it and it is being transformed into a movie that's right i I posted about this on my instagram because the lady who did the little fires everywhere adaptation is doing this one i didn't know that part of it i just knew that netflix was turning it into a movie interesting I would have loved to see it as a show, but we cannot have it all. Honestly, I think it does lend itself to be a movie. And I kind of hope this is probably not going to happen. But how cool would it be if as it's be- like happening, as she's telling each part of the story, it's filmed in the way that film was presented in that time frame? Because it starts in the 50s. Wouldn't that be dope? That would be uh, amazing. Who do we contact? I don't know, but... It needs to happen. So if anyone knows, pitch that story. You can take our idea. Like, take it. Just make it happen. Stunning choice. Um, Julia, Mm -hmm. I'm putting you on the spot, but do you have any casting thoughts, feelings, opinions? Shoot. No, I don't. None whatsoever. (laughs) Hey, whoa. You don't have to. You don't have to. Thanks. (laughs) Do you have any? I always have opinions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually haven't thought about it, but... Like in a spur of the moment right now, I would say Lily James is Celia. And like if I could get a young Colin Firth somewhere in here, I don't know, maybe as Harry, but we can't have it all. But now I'm just thinking. He's not young anymore. (laughs) I know. I know. But what can we do, Julia? (laughs) Uh, I think it's just because I've been thinking about Mamma Mia. Oh, yeah. That's fair. (laughs) What a fun movie. What a fun film. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so basically I have Lily James as Celia, which I think is kind of perfect. I love that. That is perfect. So 
Netflix James is so talented. She is so good. And she's so good in everything. I haven't watched Pam and Tommy. I've been meaning to. But. Oh, I've not watched it either, but I hear, I mean, I hear mixed things on the show, but I hear her mm-hmm. performance is good. I'm sure it is because she's amazing. Yeah. And gorgeous and talented and lovely. And uh, when she was Juliet in Kenneth Branagh's Romeo and Juliet, she was amazing. And she is also lovely in Cinderella. And I just love her. I'm I'm in love with Lily James. She was so good in Cinderella. So good. Okay. Wow, Julia, I genuinely can't believe that we are here at the end. Oh, I could talk I about this book forever. I couldn't, I but it's still I'm, a very good book. I'm really sorry. Um, it's okay. But Julia, do you have any book recommendations for us? I do. This was actually kind of hard after I was thinking, I was thinking about this last night. I was sitting at my desk and just looking at my bookshelf and thinking about Evelyn Hugo just in general, it's it's not like the mixed media portion of it really doesn't, it puts itself in its own category, you mm-hmm. know? And so when I was thinking of books that have a similar type of format, uh, ones that I came up with are like The Diviners, which mm-hmm. is very into the newspaper or Carrie by Stephen King, but I'm not recommending either of those because I don't think that they fit um with with the vibe that Evelyn Hugo is they just also have mixed media so i decided instead of doing a similar book i'd just go with you know lgbtq books that i like and think people should read so the first one i think people should read is called the boyfriend material it's by alexis hall and it has um a fake romance in it that is supposed to serve these two gentlemen. And one is like a very straight lace lawyer, um, but they're English. And so it's, it's a barrister. <laughs> We've talked about this. And just, I, didn't, I didn't know what a barrister was. I thought it was one of the queen's guards. I was just like, okay, I guess, I guess this Queen's Guard needs to have a fake boyfriend for some reason. I went through the entire book thinking that that's what he did. And then I talked to you about it and you're like, no, that's, that's not. Oh, it was an embarrassing time. But it was a good laugh you because it's still funny. And we talked about it like months ago. Um, so boyfriend material. Very good. There's good character arcs and there's a sequel coming out soonish and i believe it's called husband material um so that's exciting and i'm on the train for that and the other one is um called a psalm for the wild built and that is by becky chambers it is a science fiction book sort of but it's uh, I know there's a specific name for it but there is a type of science fiction that is just meant to be very calming it's Mm. not there's not any sort of conflict it's a very peaceful society and it's just about this non-binary tea monk that travels around um, the continent serving tea to people and giving advice and finding their purpose and it's just, it's a very gentle book, but it still has very um, poignant thoughts in it. And the sequel for that one is also coming out soon. And I read it on NetGalley and it's amazing. So incredible. I know. Um, so Husband Material and A Psalm for the Wild Built are my two recommendations. Love it. Thank you, Julia. Yeah. Long-winded answer too this question. That's okay. What are your book recommendations? To kick it off, um, I'm trying to adopt your tone. You're like really peaceful right now. The first thing that I'm going to recommend is Daisy Jones and the Six. It is my second favorite Taylor Jenkins read. It flips back and forth in time. It is just really, really well done. And again, really intense, complex female characters. It's beautiful. Um, 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, I haven't read a lot of her books, quite frankly. Um, the only other one I've read other than that is Malibu Rising, which I'm I'm kind of lukewarm about. 
but definitely Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, I also want to recommend Red, White, and Royal Blue because it is another book with an incredible bisexual protagonist, which we always need. Um, always. Always, They always. just announced like the cast for that. Did you see that yes. on Instagram? I oh, did. I'm so excited. Um, I, I was so excited about that. And if you guys want to hear our take on Red, White, and Royal Blue, you can check out our episode, Baby, You're a Firework. But Julie and I love that book. It It is so fun and full of surprises. Yeah. Um, you so just have a very gentle tone there. Thank you. I'm trying to adopt your persona. It's really, it's really nice. Oh, uh, let's, okay. Let's do what we think NPR voices would be for our outro. What oh, do you say? Okay. Oh, that's so fun. Um, give me one second because I forgot to pull up our outro and I don't have it memorized. <laughs> That's okay. I don't either. <laughs> We've been doing this for over a year and we have nothing memorized. Oh. Gosh. Remember when you could just memorize things as a kid? Not oh my anymore. God, I know. But like, do you ever watch those movies and then you still have those lines memorized in your head? Yes. It, it's the things that I memorized when I was younger that I still mm-hmm. have memorized, but nothing, nothing new is up there. Oh, God, no. But I have, like, all of The Princess Bride, most of Men in Tights, and all of um, the first Harry Potter movie. What? And and Pirates of the Caribbean. What an eclectic array. Uh, it's I love something. it. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. I mostly just have Disney songs. Oh, yeah. Well, those are always there. <laughs> they're, they're just on a constant loop. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes VeggieTales. Oh, God. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> Everybody's got a water buffalo. Am I right? <laughs> oh my God. All right. All right. Bring the energy back down. We're doing NPR voices. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Zen. I'm Zen now. No, that's okay. That's okay. I hope this stays in the episode, to be completely honest. This is kind of funny. <laughs> okay. Um, so I want everyone to know that this is my take on an NPR um voice person but also it's my take on the parks and rec take of an npr <laughs> voice person yes yes here we go we heckin did it you guys thank you so much for listening <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> if you like what you heard share us with your other bookish friends and family If you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. We're off to record our newest mini-zone for our Patreon. If you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you for being a novel friend. We'll see you all in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye.